Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Kashif Booth podcast. If you're new here each week, I sit down with a guest and we discuss their career so far, the highs, the lows, and what's next for them. Today's guest is Khadija Cartoon. We've known each other since we were 16 years old. Crazy. We actually share a mutual best friend called Carlta Talby. You may remember because we did an episode way back in the beginning Ooh. of 2021 with <laughs> Fam Club and we talked about culture and identity with such young students in the Inspire in the Inspire Youth Work, Youth Charity Youth Club, yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. Inspire Community to go. Yeah, Inspire, yeah, the Inspire Community so yeah, that's, that's a cute name It is, isn't it? Trademark that exactly. I know, I should, isn't it? Hashtag Inspire In- Community Inspire Exactly, get those comments Exactly, and so Khadisha is also mm. actually the director of a non-profit organisation called Muslim Women Connect Ooh. So I'm excited to have both of them here. So we're going to have a great conversation just about life as being a person of colour in this in the In UK. these spaces, <laughs> truly, truly, truly. Exactly. So how did you get started? Okay, so hello, everybody. Um, how So MWC, Muslim Women Connect, uh, came to exist about five years ago. So MWC is a not-for-profit which exists to support Muslim women in accessing uh, career development, whether it's soft skills, whether we're teaching them through workshops and masterclasses, upskilling them, um, and our mentoring service, whereby we pair, you know, aspiring young women with already established mentors in their like respective fields of the fields of interest. Um, we do quite a few other things. We're trying to engage um, employers because we realize the onus isn't necessarily on Muslim women uh, to 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 do the work to progress is usually employers need to be quite proactive in putting in the necessary tools and uh, mechanisms for people of color or minority groups to to thrive in the workplace because we know there's barriers um so yeah essentially that's what we do in a nutshell um we have a huge community that spans across the uk uh pre-pandemic we were london based um but the you know one of the good things that to come out of this god awful pandemic is that it's allowed us to really you know hone in on virtual working and um it's something there's there's such a need across the country especially in places like further out up north um london has a lot of privilege so we recognize that so to be able to deliver these services elsewhere um is really important and you know we're able to do that now we've got an incredible team of 13 now so we're growing it's you know all voluntary we're just out here like we've, we've got our own like day jobs and hustles but this work unfortunately is needed um, and as long as it's not coming from like top down, it's important for the people at the grassroots to do this for ourselves and our communities. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Amazing. So when you thought of like Muslim Women Connect, like what was the gap in the market? What made you want to do this? Right. So our amazing founders, Amira and Noreen, who have since stepped away, um, they realized there were incredible Muslim women in these spaces who were doing the most, um, but they were like not known. So the whole point was to connect women who needed the support with these women. Um, so through our mentoring, etc. cetera. Um, but as time has gone on, needs have developed. It's not just about networking per se, but the, uh, the owner should also be on the employers, right? People, uh, we need to kind of do more research. We know, for example, um, the Women and Equalities Committee in the House of Commons pub- published a report in 2016, whereby they de- detailed the triple penalty threat that Muslim women face and that refers to race and ethnicity um, the gender sex and um, religion 
being all factors that are kind of working against Muslim women when it comes to career development and accessing employment. So knowing these things, looking at the statistics, doing research, um, we're able to, we were able to figure we needed to be, that a lot more needs to happen beyond mentoring and like these kind of softer things are not enough. And we do this through community building programs, events, partnership, research. Um, essentially, we're here to encourage and inspire and upskill Muslim women um, and provide a supportive network for Muslim women. Um, and then also, you know, putting that onus on decision makers, whether it's education, workplaces, government even. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, and you could even be idle and like, you know, complain about it, which we do, but also we kind of have to be proactive, unfortunately. Um, and so, yeah, whilst we have the skills, the talent, the means, the time, the energy, the zest, the anger, the passion, we're here and we're going to do it. <laughs> you said unfortunately a lot, and I don't think it's unfortunate because we, what, there's what, 5% of Asian people in this country and then there's 3% black people in this country. So it's not unfortunately, we have to do the work because if we don't do the work, white people aren't going right. to create the spaces for that. So I like what you're doing right. and no, it makes so more this sense. Is, the reason I say unfortunately mm. is because in an ideal world, mm -hmm. we don't need to do this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like we live mm -hmm. in a society where this stuff doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Institutional racism doesn't exist. Islamophobia doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. But because it does, the onus is on us people, like mm -hmm. us, yeah, us yeah. people, but like us <laughs> to do all this extra like emotional and physical labor. Like mm -hmm. we should be just straight chilling as everyone else is, but unfortunately we can't. So hence, like we do the work because we care, but it's just an, another added, I mean, I'm not complaining about doing it, but Samantha doesn't have to do it, <laughs> you know? Or she might for like, you know, other things like, you know, gender equality, et cetera, but I'm out here battling the triple threat discrimination according to the 2016 Women and Equalities Committee. You know, I've got my race and my, you know, my, I'm a visible Muslim. I have a scarf on my, a headscarf on my head. Um, and I'm a woman. So, you know, we're just like, oftentimes it feels like you're battling so many things. And sometimes you can't even identify why somebody's, you know, rejecting you for this promotion or this or that. Yeah. Um, it might just be merit, it might not. Um, I need yeah. to jump in as well. Like, yes. It's actually mad peak here because like, you know when you go to an interview and you're like visibly Muslim, like you've mm. got a hijab on and you just know straight away, you walk into that room and you're like, are these people going to like me mm. because I've got a hijab on? Like, it's so mad what you mm -hmm. think like when you're going into these open spaces and it's so horrible, yeah, just to think that I'm qualified enough. Mm. <laughs> but... <laughs> Because I got a hijab on. You just don't know. Yeah, and it just makes you feel so uncomfortable, yeah? And it's just like, rah, like, if I didn't have a hijab on, how would this interview, how would this interaction go? Like, how would my experience be? And it's so horrible because you've got to think, do I need to take off my hijab or, like, right. <laughs> do I keep it on? And obviously, like, I want to keep my hijab on. I love the fact that I am a hijabi. Mm. So it's just so mad, like... That's right. why I really like respect like Muslim Women Connect because it's a space that we need. This is a and like it just makes you think of the women who have had to compromise themselves. Like I yeah. think we're at a point in our careers where we've been doing it long enough, navigating it long enough. We're yeah. probably you know fortunately very content and secure in ourselves. Um, but you know a younger and I know I I like thought like struggled a bit like being younger and starting yeah. off your you know your navigating you don't know do I do I need to sell out yeah. that's it it's like a whole other thing navigating religion alongside yeah. like your like ethnicity and race mm -hmm. um, and it's like such a specific thing and like obviously we live in a time 
you know, whether what post, you know, quote unquote, you can't see me, war on terror, um, post 2002, we've, we've kind of grown up with it, right? Yeah. Um, and the Islamophobia. And then we've seen how it's then infiltrated different like elements of society yeah, through of policy, through like rules. And then we look to our neighboring countries and France and, you know, the hijab yeah. ban and stuff. Um, yeah, it's just a really difficult thing to 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 navigate. And so I, I do feel like MWC, like, you know, there's the, we, uh, we do like the, you know, really practical stuff, which is like mentoring and, um, you know, CV building workshops and like confidence boosting things. But also we, tr we, there is a need to kind of like bring the Islam into it. And like the themes of um, like being self-empowered and emboldened yeah. in your like decisions and in your religion um not compromised we don't like kind of thrust like the muslim element like don't take your scarf off like bun these people like no, we don't do that but like you know it's important to always like also um emphasize the muslim element um and we should be like empowered and proud of our yeah. religions and just as we are of our skin color um it's just a whole lot that we're out here navigating but that's why it's good to have these conversations absolutely you saying about where you go into a job interview or go to a work a corporate working space so I mean, every industry has a corporate element to it. Yeah, definitely. Film and TV, what I work in day to day, trust me. L mm -hmm. The other day, I was talking to my colleague, and he, he's white, and he actually went interviewed for a promotion to get a job because my colleague is leaving, including me. <laughs> but we won't name names. And uh, he was saying that it was brought up that he wears a lot of tracksuits. And in my industry... It's very casual, you can wear what you want. But I've always known, if you rock up to, like, the network that I work at or any production company, they're going to look their nose down on you because you're wearing a tracksuit. Now, this mm. man is a 40-year-old white man, right? Mm. And they still have an issue with that. So it's all about perception and what is deemed as professional. You mm. know, it's just like when black women are talking about how they can't wear their natural hair. Me, as a person with a Muslim name, countless times, really? I see it when I walk into an office... They think I'm Asian. So they're not, unless they've Googled me, mm. I'm not trying to sound like I have an ego, but you can no, easily no, no, Google no. me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're going to see, oh, okay, he's black. Or when I get into an Uber, listen, they're saying salam alaikum all the time. Really? And then before they see me, so another cute. guy thought I was Pakistani the whole ride. Because and then he's yeah. like, oh, you're black. I'm like, Kishif, yeah. When yeah. we were at school, we were like, so Kashif mentioned we met when we were like 16 at Sixth Form. I used to think Kashif was Asian. Because Kalman was always like, Kato was always like, oh, Kashif, 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 right? From her from her class. I'm like, who's this Kashif? I'm like curious to see who Kashif is. And then, then he walks. I'm like, is it Kashif? Like, what is it? And then like Kashif walks. I was like, oh my God, he's black? Like, this tall black guy? Cool. But um, yeah, no, preconceptions, right? Or exactly. misconceptions. And sometimes it's harmless. If if like it might, well, I hope you took no offense to that for 16-year-old Kashif. No, no, but, like, no. but in my case, it was just like whatever harmless. But if, mm -hmm. if, and it happens, right? But if you're using those misconceptions to prejudge mm -hmm. something, and they call it, yeah. um, air quotes, unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's BS. Mm -hmm. um, like, don't try and make yourself feel better for saying it's unconscious. But like, if you're then using these biases mm -hmm. to make preconceptions and then judge someone's performance, their, their skill, their talent, their worth of getting a promotion or a job, like that's 
that's when it's problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's just a 16-year-old girl who thinks Kashif is Asian, <laughs> you know, it's slightly different. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. It's a Muslim name. My dad didn't even know anything about it when he really? named me. So. It's a beautiful <laughs> name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they may have heard on the podcast before, but my dad named me after an 80s R&B singer who had my name. Really? And then come to find out that wasn't even his real name. It was his stage name. I, that is so, hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. That's just... Kashif's yeah, an awesome name. <laughs> Thank you. Um, oh, we're all... Kashif, Kathar and Khadija. Oh, my God. We're the three Ks. Yes. Oh, my God. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, shoot. It's not bad. It's not bad. No, the 3K sounds better than the other one. But outside of Muslim Women Connect, you're doing a lot of stuff for your day job. So what do you do for work? Yeah, so, um, so yeah, Muslim Connect is, like, the passion project, which is, like, turned into, like, a four-year thing um, and eventually became a director of. Um, but my actual career, my bed, bread and butter, my, you know, <laughs> I get paid to... <laughs> I'm a communications professional in a very large and complex institution that is adjacent to civil service. That's, like, the probably the easiest way I can say it without making it too too known um but there is like the real deal kind of navigating this very 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 white hierarchical Mm -hmm. spaces um and for the most part i think i'm very like content there but obviously occasionally you will see sus things Mm -hmm. and you will have to navigate you know difficult things um and in my like throughout my 20s i definitely had to i think i'm at a place now where i've been there for about five years um where i've kind of established myself and i'm really confident and emboldened in myself um it's easier to navigate um but we still have very difficult conversations like post black lives matter Mm -hmm. um and like the stance the organization took and the work that came of that um so yeah i don't know if yeah so i'm a communications professional there i'm like writing corporately um and that can be really exciting because like communications is in it's so vast and varied it can be like digital it can be written connecting with people um all sorts of things um but adjacent to that alongside that um you know this, the work in creating equal spaces um and developing community is very important to me so as you can see with the mwc thing so it, at work I'm, i also co-chair our workplaces um race ethnicity and cultural heritage network and that is to create a space for people of color or anyone who identifies as an ethnic minority to come through, to feel listened to, to feel celebrated. If they have any concerns, our like network and committee drives it forward. Um, and it, it, it looks so varied. It's whether we're doing research to make recommendations to um, you know, corporate to make changes in the organizations or whether it's hosting you know, interfaith week events or you know ramadan events or black history whatever right Mm -hmm. so we're doing the fluffy stuff which is the groundwork that needs to be done to make um employees feel safe and listen to um and like building the community but also you know really important to drive those strategic things too and i think a lot of mwc does that too so we're like nurturing our community but also giving it practical support um so yeah, uh, it's a lot, it's a lot. And then side of that, I'm doing a master's in conflicts, rights and justice. Cause like, you know, it's great to do this stuff, but also we should continue always learning as well. And mm-hmm. like seeing how we could like learn more to do more. Um, so yeah, inshallah, we stay busy and we'll make changes, but it's a lot, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I mean, jealous cause I really want to do a master's, but yeah. I'm too busy. Um, well, this is the thing. I'm so busy, but mm-hmm. um, I don't even see my friends anymore. This is like the first time I see like Kota in like 
two months. It's um, too yeah, and like we used to hang out every single day. Yeah. But um, you make the sacrifice, and like eventually mm-hmm. it pays off. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you'd be surprised what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. So True. yeah, if you wanna. I'm trying to, like, motivate you. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what it is? I told you, I quit my job. So it's like, it. once I'm able to, like, find a balance mm. of everything, because I've done so much, especially last year. 2021 was a very busy year mm. for me. Um, and so now I'm slowing down and repurposing my career and changing mm. it in a different direction. So now once I get a hold of that, yeah. then I'll be able to do my That's it. You have to be in a good headspace mm-hmm. for it. Um, yeah. But, yeah. What made you want to work within the space that you do? Okay, so my thing was, oh my God, my 20s were wild in the sense that I was kind of like doing a bit of everything. So like I was always um, working in like not-for-profit charity organizations, um, mostly usually always in a comms role because I loved writing, but also it was so important to me to do something like I believed in um, or I felt would make a change, right? Um, but then like I had this little stint where I thought I wanted to be a teacher and that it kind of speaks to the whole thing as well because my thing is always like people, people, community. Um, so yeah, I thought I wanted to be a teacher, almost a teacher training, worked in a school for a bit. Um, but then I kind of like was drawn back into communications, um, in a change making institution. So like it definitely has a theme. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I just really love people and connecting with people and trying to influence change. And that could be at the like, Muslim level, it could be like youth work, it could be at like, you know, institutions that actually deliver those changes from the top down. So wherever I've like kind of ended up, it's always been with that ethos in mind. Um, and like, also kind of like speaking to my skill set, which is like communicating, talking with people, connecting with people, delivering change, uh, planning change, executing it. So, That's yeah. good because we need people like you in those change making systems. Right. And when I say people like you, I mean real people actually doing the work. Yeah, and that was like something that I really had to grapple with because, like, I did like have like a you know a period of my life where I was like, am I tokenized? Am I just here as the token like brown hijabi or you know? Um, but I think it's it's things you need to like sit with yourself and like rationalize your presence in these spaces. Um, and see whether you can like justify it on like a kind of like personal ethical level. Um, and if you think your presence there is actually doing good and if you're true to yourself, I can't emphasize being true to yourself enough. It's so easy to lose yourself in the source, especially if you have like a bougie title and you're at a bougie place. Um, and if you're like kind of like hungry for that, like corporate or like, you know, um, career development, like you, a lot of it comes back to like the reason you're doing things. Um, so I can justify my presence in certain spaces because I know my presence there isn't about me. It's about the communities I bring to that space um, or the community's interests that I bring to that space. So yeah, it's it's a lot. I don't know. No, it is. I took and so what you mean because if you're in that space and you want to make change, then do that. If you're doing it for your own personal gain, don't use people of color as a scapegoat as right. to try and act like you are and, and then not, and eventually you're going to realize you're being you're being tokenized and it's like how do you i'm sure people do and i don't want to like criticize them but like at some point it's is that enough and like at some point will you feel yourself being disrespected degraded like at what, yes, at what cost it. does it come at what cost does it come i think sometimes as a black man i can criticize i can openly criticize black men and i can also openly criticize men of color 
who are the weakest link and what i mean by that is men who are the weakest link are the ones who actually just like to fit into that white boys club and so they present those narratives and so they're fine being tokenized because they're not actually making change so sometimes when we talk about black lives matter when black men are talking about it, they're not talking about all black lives. They're particularly talking about black male lives. So when they talk about, when you've noticed, when they talk about racism, they're just talking about black men being killed by the cops. Mm. They're not talking about black women being attacked and yeah. black women being attacked by other black men mm. or trans lives, people, trans women being killed. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? So that's the difference. So when you're in those spaces, you want to have people actually who are for the whole entire community. Right, and I guess it is hard. I'm not defending them, but like I'm, I know there there's challenges to representing mm-hmm. everyone. Like we can't, like it's hard to, you know, at like the workplace equality network that mm-hmm. I'm co-chairing. Like we're representing, like it's so varied. Like anyone who identifies as an ethnic mi- minority, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. But you, it, I think a lot of it does. You have to be willing to to learn to to be open to have a broader. Like it's not about you. It's not the you show. You have to like be very open and willing to listen and like accepting of feedback um it's once it starts becoming egotistical that's when problems arise and it all goes back to intention and this is something like you know like islam really like um emphasizes like we have to constantly check our intentions and renew our intentions like even if like it hasn't necessarily changed like just like every once in a while catch yourself and be like i'm doing this for this purpose and like Affirm it again, mm-hmm. just in case you get lost in the source. So what advice would you give to other Muslim girls? Because yes, you've got Muslim women connect, but what else? What advice would you give them to kind of get to where you are? Or do what you're doing and how to overcome this stuff. Because yeah. when I look at it, I'm just trying to up. I'm rooting for everyone black, so yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to <laughs> no, make absolutely. sure that. We create spaces for each other. Right. If I win, they win. Mm. If somebody surpasses me, I'm not, oh, what am I jealous of? I have no reason to be jealous because right. they're opening another door. Absolutely. So what's your kind of, what's what's your motivation? Let's talk about you, for example, right? Uh, before you answer. So yeah. like, yeah. you don't dress conventionally as the typical Muslim girl. Yeah. Guys, never side note, like, she has a bucket hat over her hijab <laughs> and it's such a vibe. Yeah, exactly. A hijab <laughs> is never, I don't think I've ever seen your hijab styled the quote unquote traditional way. Yeah. You kind of go to the beat of your own drum. You're, you're the director. You have your own short films. You work in youth. You know, you, you challenge the system a lot. By who you are and confident as a single Woo-hoo. Muslim woman, Thanks. you know, debating out her, <laughs> 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 her relationship status. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even hear she's that. single, guys. Come get her. I'm single, but, single. but you know, but she's not pressed like no, you not. both as you as Muslim women. <laughs> but you know, you're not like dying. Not pre- no, you're not dying to get married. But you know, there's the stereotypes of that. So how do you feel like you want to inspire other girls to be where you are as well? I know this sounds like so basic, but do you, like, do what makes you happy. Don't listen to, like, the system. Don't listen to culture. Don't listen to people that are, like, constantly trying to put you down. Like, if you want to do something, go out and do it. As long as it's, like, halal. <laughs> as long as it doesn't break any laws. Yeah. As long as you're not doing drugs and all that madness. <laughs> but, like, honestly, like, do what makes you happy. And I feel like with me, like, both of you guys know that I was like working in retail for a long time. Mm-hmm. I was mad depressed and you know, it was like proper side and I was just doing it for like making money. And like you said, it all goes back to doing like, goes back to intentions. And I felt like my intention back then was just to make money. And then when I was deep in it, I was like, by 
mental health and like my happiness just wasn't there mm. and that's when I like just decided to leave and then that's like when I started to get into more like youth work and like more opportunities from there and then I had more free time to do like my short film so doing that in the long run just made me so much more happier mm. like I started working at an organization that I really enjoyed and like all the young people that I've met like really make me want to be a youth worker like makes me want to, don't know how to explain this but it makes me want to be there for them mm. because like I see them all as my little siblings and like you know we are a little family so I just want like when they look at me I want them to like be happy and be like yeah that's my that's youth it. worker it's you not know? about this is it and I think it goes up to us it's not about us it's not about yeah. you it's not about me it's about like the collective yeah it's about community it's the grand scheme of things isn't it? like yeah, I want all those young people to like be 10 times as better than I am mm -hmm. like, I want them to succeed like there's so many kids that I'll I'll literally big them up because they're so amazing like mm -hmm. and like they come and talk to me and like I don't know I can't explain you but I just, I just love what I do and it's just amazing like mm. I've never felt like so happy like to the see build, these kids yeah yeah and like whenever I talk to them about where they want to be I'm just like do you may do what makes you happy don't follow the status quo like and i feel like that's what we do we think about the status quo like culturally like oh we should have been married by this time or we should be working here we should be making this much money mm. we should have kids and i'm like that is not the status quo that is just like what we are programmed conditioned to be. yeah what we're conditioned to believe like that's not what what life is about and it could be for some people it and that's be. absolutely fine and yeah and it's fine but it's not for me right not at this point in my life like i'm very happy and that's okay where i am mm. like and it's just madness because people like project their lifestyle onto you and i'm like nah gee that's not me like uh -huh. if you want to do that you do that in it uh -huh. i feel like i went off a bit of a no but it's true <laughs> no well the question was what would you yeah what yeah, basically, you yeah, or what would you, how would you inspire other girls who mm. are like you? And yeah, so that's what you need to see because no one's a monolith. Like, yeah. black people are a monolith, Asian girls are a monolith, Moroccan girls aren't a monolith. Yeah. So it's about having those conversations, yeah. and, and that's what Muslim Women Connect does. And right. then like, it brings a we whole group of different. This is, we're not projecting any exactly. version of success on yeah. it. And we caveat exactly. that in our like mission statement and stuff. Uh -huh. It's whatever success looks like to you. Yeah, definitely. Whether it's professional, spiritual, personal. Uh -huh. Yeah. It's going to look different to everyone. Mm -hmm. and that's okay in with the mechanisms we have in place um if we can do that to serve our sisterhood mm -hmm. and this is another thing, thing we haven't mentioned but a lot of it goes back to like you know taking it back to islam and the the the, the themes of sisterhood uh, community um nurturing mm -hmm. um uplifting these all come from the prophetic sunnah of our prophet peace be upon him so that is a you know really important thing to 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 capture exactly so what's next? What's next for you and Muslim Women Connect? We're kind of going into our next phase where um, we're looking to engage with employers more. So we've started doing that. We've started doing like workshops um, at places of employment, talking about like Islamophobia and, you know, these things which previously weren't, um, weren't discussed. Um, we're also doing, looking to do more data-led work. So doing more research, doing more reports. And then once you have that, you know, concrete codified evidence, it's easier then to take to whether it's government or policy or employers. So um, we're, we're, we're kind of moving in that phase, but alongside 
the historical stuff, the mentoring, etc. It's a really exciting time. Our team's growing and like we have such talented people. Like it blows my mind. We've got lawyers, we've got yeah. people like in charity sectors, we've got people like in finance. And that really just speaks to like the community of like women in the UK, um, Muslim women in the UK. Like we're doing the most, we're out here. And so through this mechanism, inshallah, we'll continue to make make strides. What's next for me? Uh, I want to finish my masters. But um, yeah, so like once I kind of like, you know, you know, develop myself through this masters and continue like developing at work and through the community stuff, it's an exciting time. I feel like, you know, we're just getting started and we've had our 20s to like start this work. And now we enter this next phase where like we're emboldened in it. We're confident in it. We know our people. We know our communities. We know our networks. We know ourselves. There's just so much to come. Exactly. Well, guys, I feel like we could talk all day long, but they're giving us a wrap up sign. So <laughs> where can people find Muslim Women Connect? So you can find us on www.muslimwomenconnect.com or Twitter, Muslim Women C, or Instagram, LinkedIn, Muslim Women Connect. Um, connect with us, email us, reach out, DM us. <laughs> well, thanks, guys, for listening. Well, thanks for joining me as well as <laughs> we get kicked out of this place. <laughs> but thanks, guys, for listening. You can follow me on my usual socials, Kashif Roof or Kashif Roof Entertainment or the Kashif Roof Podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes coming soon.